0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to score. Touchdown. Oh, close as What is going on everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire and all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And we are coming off my third day at training camp. Third day, third podcast. If you haven't caught on already, we are recording a pod after every single practice that I attend all the way through Sunday. So I've done Monday, Tuesday, and today is Wednesday. We got Thursday off and then I will be back at it Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before I head back to the Central Valley and the wonderful temperatures that await me. So excited. But today at 49ers training camp, a lighter day, Uh, nothing but helmets and jerseys today, no pads, uh, which wasn't Wasn't, wasn't exactly a surprise given how yesterday on Tuesday's practice was very hot, very intense, longer practice. Uh, you know, we had those couple of fights that we talked about, so it didn't surprise me that Kyle Shanahan gave everybody a little bit of a, a, a lower key practice. That's not to say that players aren't going hard. It's not, it wasn't a practice at like 75%, but it was a little bit easier day, a little bit shorter of a day, a little cooler um no fights or scuffles of any kind and you know this it's kind of easing the players into their one day off tomorrow and then they'll be back at it again for 3 days like I said later in the week and you know it's just it's a delicate balance cuz obviously you want to develop that mentality you want your players to to know you know to suffer a little bit throughout the training camp so that you know the grind they're they're prepared for the grind of the regular season but, at the same time, you have to walk that fine line about not pushing players' bodies too far, and then you end up with injuries and so the forty and it's not to say that they you could obviously still have injuries at the pace the forty nineers are going. Nothing about training camp so far has seemed easy or low key, but it's definitely a fine line, especially as training camp goes on. You have to figure out a way to to get in the work you need without putting players' bodies at risk so whenever anybody kind of, you know, or whenever the thought creeps in like, Oh, I wish they were going harder. You know, they need to be, they need to be pushing themselves now. So it's, it's true to an extent, but you've got to take into account. These are humans. Their bodies can only take so much. Their bodies are all ready to push to the brink. When you think about the time they spend in the gym, um, constantly breaking their muscles down and rebuilding them. And then they're going out into a football field And pushing them even further in a different way, you know, slow and fast twitch muscles. So it's just, I'm sure there's just mountains of medical science about how to deal with what the 49ers and other NFL teams are doing right now. Um, As we walked out to the practice field today, Jimmy Garoppolo was doing a little throwing session on the field this time. Yesterday he was kind of in a little side field that's behind everything else where players typically go to rehab when they're not participating in practice. (laughs) This Time Jimmy Garoppolo was, was on the field throwing the ball, looked absolutely like normal Jimmy Garoppolo. If you didn't know he had surgery, you wouldn't know. He just the, the passes looked the same, his ability to move looks the same. It, it, you know, obviously, it was just shoulders, so it wouldn't really impact him there, but same old Jimmy Garoppolo. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure if there is a team out there that is interested in trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, they've probably already seen enough or what they need to because media, we're not allowed to record Jimmy Garoppolo throwing, but the fans that were there, even though I think technically they're not allowed to have their phones out, they have, have taken their phones out and recorded Jimmy Garoppolo throwing. So we know what, you guys have probably seen the videos, you know what to expect. So, um, and I'm sure other NFL teams have seen the videos. We'll see. When it comes to that, for now, it doesn't look like either side is in a hurry. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is in a hurry to leave the team, and I don't think the 49ers are in a hurry to trade him uh, without what they feel is proper compensation. So that situation continues to roll on. Um, Nick Bosa and George Kittle had days off today. Uh, the fans, one thing I should mention is as Jimmy Garoppolo walked off the field, the fans went crazy. He gave a few of them a high five, and it's obvious that he's still he's still Jimmy Garoppolo. He looked in good spirits. The fans were happy to see him. Um, as I said, no, no practice today for Nick Bosa and George Kittle, who were given veterans days off. Um, wide receiver Marcus Johnson, one of the new additions to the team, did not practice today, which, interestingly enough, was the player – that was given the cheap shot that instigated. I, I thought the cheap shot was given by Aziz Alshair. Me and Grant were talking, and he thinks the, the cheap shot was given by Fred Warner. I thought it was Alshair, and then Fred Warner came flying into the fight. Uh, but um, one of us is wrong, I could, and it, it could definitely be me. But um, Marcus Johnson was the player that was the cheap shot that started the fight, that the offense came off the field, off the sideline to kind of... And when I say off the sideline, I'm talking about from behind the play. The defense stands on the sideline, and the offense stands just behind the play, kind of like kind of like where Kyle Shanahan would stand. And uh, So no Marcus Johnson today. Uh, linebackers Demetrius Flanagan-Foles and Drake Greenlaw both weren't practicing, but no news from them as far as injury goes. Uh, Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports Bear reported that she saw tight end Jordan Matthews leaving the locker room on crutches with a left knee brace, which is never a good sign. So we'll see. I'm sure we'll hear more soon about the status of Jordan Matthews, who was trying to make the team as a tight end uh, converted from wide receiver. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, always always unfortunate to hear that. Moving on, we've got the Trey update. Trey Watch 2022. Like I said, every single day I'm going to be giving you a Trey update. Almost rhymes a little bit, Trey update. Something going on there. Trey watch 2022. Decent day for Trey up and down. Nothing spectacular. I mean, he only threw the ball like eight or nine times. It was just one of those practices where, you know, there were no pads and things just seemed like, all right, let's get in some work, but let's not take ourselves too seriously. Uh, Trey Lance did drop an absolute dime during the start of team drills to Debo Samuel that was dropped. I mean, we're talking about a 30 to 40, 30 to 35 yard pass through the air, dropped right over Debo Samuel's shoulder. Um, The DB, I didn't see who the DB was, but he had good coverage, but the throw was perfect and it hit Debo Samuel in the hands. He just couldn't bring it in. The DB was right there, kind of up against his shoulder. So there was some contact there, not like pass interference contact, but you know, something that would throw a receiver a little off his game. So I'm sure Debo wants that one back, but Trey Lance has thrown quite a few excellent deep passes during the practice times I've been during the practice I've been here. So uh, from what I've seen in terms of deep ball accuracy from Trey Lance, it's been solid. I mean, if you're completing half of your deep passes, you're in the money. You know, you're great. He did throw another one to Trey Lance while he was on the move and, and slightly overthrew him by a few yards. It was kind of a deep crossing route. So, you know, they're not all going to be there, and that's kind of the nature of the deep passing game. But one thing any anybody would notice when watching the 49ers practice is Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan are much more willing to dial up and push the ball downfield constantly. That's why you're going to see a little bit of a – I mean, if you're comparing completion percentages, which in training camp is always going to be a little bit silly – But when you're seeing Trey Lance's completion percentage, just keep in mind that he's pretty consistently trying to push the ball down the field. I think he has a lot of confidence on intermediate to short throws, which there are some of his short throws that can use some work. But I do think that they are just seeing what they can get away with by pushing the ball down the field. So it it has been cool to watch. It's very obvious. Um, At one point, Trey was like one of six which obviously is not great. It's not a ton of passes either, but he he was one of six that included the DeBo drop and a couple throws that either looked like they were miscommunications or throwaways where he was kind of like not throwing it anywhere near the receiver and it, it looked like he was almost throwing a deep go route when the receiver actually ran like an out route, you know. So it, it the ball was not close to players, but it was it was hard to tell if if that was intentional on Trey Lance's part and just a miscommunication or if he was legitimately just throwing it away. I'm just kind of reading. You know what? One thing I wanted to do, let me get through, let me get through Trey watch. Let me get through Trey watch and then I'll do it. Uh, Red zone. Um, So at one point during the end of coming, like the traditional team period of practice, Trey was one of six and then they got into the red zone and that's when Trey kind of, kind of turned it up a little bit on one play he, I can't remember if it was a design to roll out. I want to say it was. Yes, it, it was for sure now that I'm kind of rehashing my mental picture. Trey Lance rolled out to the right. The, the ball was on about, I want to say, the five-yard line. So all the routes had to be shorter, which is difficult for a quarterback. You have very little space to work with. Trey Lance rolled right and kind of had a little bit of patience as to when he threw the ball, kept rolling right, started to get pressure coming towards him, and then just fires it guns it to Brandon Ayuk, who's running basically right at the at the end zone line, the goal line. And Traverius Ward is right behind him. And they're quickly approaching the pylon. Trey Lance fires it in there. Brandon Ayuk catches it with just kind of like the arms outstretched, fingertip catch. And that ball had some velocity too. So it was a great catch by Brandon Ayuk, who immediately kind of tucked the ball away as him and Traverius Ward just went flying out of bounds. And I, you got the feet down, and it was a tremendous play, tremendous throw, a better catch. It it was it was an uh, an awesome play. That was everybody was like, whoa. I was standing next to KP when it happened, and it was like, damn, that was impressive all around. And then on, I want to say the very next play, um, either it was a blitzer coming from the left side, or they left the defensive end unblocked on purpose because the. Uh, Trey Lance essentially had a free rusher coming from the left side, which it, it, you would think it would be on purpose because there's no way that Trent Williams is just allowing a free rusher. And Trey just kind of nonchalantly flicked it around him, side armed around him, hit Jermichael Hasty in the flat, who turned it up and scored. So that was two completions and two touchdowns in a row for Trey Lance. So he kind of recovered well in a in a situation where, yes, in the red zone, about five yards out, you're close, you know, like. You don't necessarily have to fire the ball downfield to score a touchdown, but at the same time, the space becomes so much more limited. It's it's really hard to work in that kind of an area. So, pretty good little red zone performance for for Trey Lance, and I mean Jimmy Ward was super complimentary of him. Like uh, I'll get I'll get to that a little later. I'll talk a little bit more about Jimmy Ward's comments, but um, it, it was clear. And it's kind of clear to everybody. Um, D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator talked about it. Trey Lance talked – or excuse me, Jimmy Ward talked about it. Uh, it's Trey Lance is definitely developing. He's definitely grabbing – taking that role as one of the team's leaders and running with it. And the things he does on the field – Look beyond his his age. Now, I understand he's, he's technically a second-year quarterback, but this is his first year starting his first training camp where he's the man getting all the reps, and he doesn't look overwhelmed. And that, to me, is a little impressive given what the defense is throwing at him, the amount of talent they have on the other side of the ball. Trey Lance is consistently under pressure, and he's he's making the best of it. Now, that doesn't mean he's completing every pass. doesn't mean every pass is to where it needs to be or doesn't mean they're all on target. But really, at no point since I've been here has Trey Lance done something that looked like just a ridiculous young quarterback decision. Um, I'm sure those moments are coming, and obviously they're fine because you got to learn from it. But look pretty good so far. Look pretty good so far, given the circumstances he's in with this just relentless defense just constantly coming at him. And part of the reason that Trey Lance has been able to look as solid – I'll use the word solid – as look as solid as he has is Brandon Ayuk. Now, I know that we talked yesterday um, about Brandon Ayuk in the day he had. Well, it's becoming apparent that Brandon Ayuk is, is that guy every day. I mean, he put on a clinic today. He caught – multiple touchdowns with that one I described from Trey Lance. And then he caught one shortly after that from, I want to say Nate Sudfeld over the middle. I think both were against Charvarius Ward. Who's been very good. Charvarius Ward's been the best DB in, in, in camp as he should. He's the guy that got paid, but at the same time, you know, a DB's job is, is tough. It's, it's hard to go, go out there and, and take punches against a solid group of wide receivers. But Iuke has, has made him earn every rep. And today he just went off, um, whether it was team drills, catches and team drills at one point, he went up and over and snagged the ball over the top of Amb- Ambry, Thomas as he went out of the sideline during one-on-ones, Brandon Ayuk was untouchable, untouchable. I mean, this is a good, this is a good transition to go. I was going to read the notes. I wanted you guys to hear what my notes from training camp sounds like. Now here's, here's my notes from just one-on-ones, um, just so you know, Brandon Ayuk is number 11. Traverius Ward is number 35. I'm just kind of going through. Okay. 11 beats 35. Great route. 81 beats 27 over middle. Good release. 3 held by 36. Flag. 11 beats 35. Stack. Then inside. 15 toast. 26. 18 beats 43. Throw high. Dropped. 11 beats 4. Quick slant. 83 shakes 24. Inside Separation. 11, wild release against one, slant. 13 beats 43, slant out and in. 20, interception against 15. 18, incomplete against 36. So those are my notes just from one-on-ones. Obviously, you need to know what number the players are. If you want, you can rewind this and open up. Go to 49ers.com, go to the roster, and then organize it by numbers, and you can kind of go through. Because that's essentially what I'm doing. I have the roster. I haven't quite memorized all the numbers yet, but I'm getting there. I have a roster in front of me that the team is so graciously provides and I just make sure I check my numbers before I uh, really talk about it. But most of the, my notes come from, I just write down the number so I don't have to try and spend the time of writing down somebody's name. So those are my notes from one I ones just to clue you in. Here's my notes from like a, a standard team period. Elijah Mitchell, first rep of team. Mitchell again, both moderate gains. Warner tackle for lots. Lance on keeper. Lance dodge pressure, overthrows Ayuk deep right, first pass. 7-3 to three on 23, intermediate right. Mason down the middle for a few. Lance to Mitchell, drop slant. Lance to Mitchell, slant, caught, turned up field. Lance to Hasey, flat, high, offsides Offsides on the defense. Mitchell, middle ten for 10 plus. Brandon Ayuk again over Ambry Thomas, went up and got it. So those are my uh, Lance perfect deep ball left Debo dropped Lance overthrow Ayuk right might have been a throwaway or miscommunication. Those are my those are what all of my notes. I have an uh, so if you use iPhones the Notes app, I have about a page and a half of just constant notes of um, essentially every play from training camp. So whenever I'm kind of breaking this stuff down to you guys, you can just kind of picture those notes just from the red zone period down at the bottom. Mitchell run middle touchdown. Mitchell run middle. Lance to Ayuk touchdown. Excellent throw. Better catch on 35. Lance hasty flat touchdown over blitz. Ayuk touchdown again over 24. 84 touchdown from Purdy. And that's not like every play. Really what I try to do is when the first team is out there, I try to note every single play. And when it's the second, third teams, I try to note the highlight plays, which that gives me an opportunity to kind of just watch the players that I don't know as well and see how they're doing in their bid to, uh, to make the roster. So that's just a little bit of a window on how I'm taking notes during training camp. And I try to be as detailed as I can, but if you're too detailed, you're still, still writing something down or typing it when the next play has started. And then you're going to miss that next play. So you really only have a really short window of time to write something down, um, to, so that I can, you know, tweet about it and make note of it for you guys on the pod. So, Hopefully that just opens up a real small window for you guys. But anyways, back to Brandon Ayuk, who that, you know, he's constantly in my notes, constantly in highlights. During one rep, he went one-on-one with Jimmy Ward and I, you could, you saw me say it in the reps. He torched him off the release, had Jimmy Ward stumbling so bad that he started just laughing out loud and you can hear him laughing as he ran after Brandon Ayuk, who caught the slant over the middle. And Jimmy Ward even said in his press conference, like, I have not won a rep against him yet. And Jimmy Ward was very, very. He had tons of praise for Brandon Ayuk. Basically said, This man is taking the next step. We want to make sure he takes the next step. That, that's why Fred Warner has been so hard on him. That's why Jimmy Ward's been so hard on him. And Jimmy Ward even said he was proud of the way Brandon Ayuk stood up to Fred Warner. Because it seemed like Ward knew what Warner was doing. Ward knew he was trying – Warner was trying to annoy Ayuk. And uh, and Jimmy Ward seemed proud that Brandon Ayuk wasn't having any of that. So, I mean, Jimmy Ward, who's been on this team for, what, nine years now? Let me go look. Let me go look. He's going to be listed as a DB. Yeah, this is his ninth year on the team. That's impressive. I mean, a former first-round pick from the Trent Balky era – I mean, anytime you can put nine years in the league and Jimmy Ward does not look like he's slowing down anytime soon. I mean, that's just tremendous, especially when you think about the career arc of Jimmy Ward. Came in, was immediately plugged in at a slot corner, which is not necessarily what he paid, played excuse me, at Northern Illinois. Uh, He was, uh, you know, more of a safety there, but he did spend some time in coverage and and Jimmy Ward was put in the slot. Everybody's just going to remember that game from his rookie year against Brandon Marshall, the first year at Levi Stadium. I think that was his rookie year. And that kind of was like a stigma that followed him for a little while. And then he was asked to play outside corner and then he was asked to finally go to safety, which was his most natural position. And he's just been thriving there. And he's obviously one of the leaders of this team. And he had nothing but good things to say about Brandon Ayuk. You know, uh, he like he said, he's like, I have not won a rep against this man yet. He did say he'll get him eventually. But Ward basically said that he's seen what we've all seen from a media and fan perspective. Is Brandon Ayuk's just having a dominant training camp. He admired how he stood up to Fred Warner and said he likes that intensity. He wants players and his teammates to compete with that amount of intensity. You could just tell he didn't really care for the fights. Like that wasn't something he liked seeing. So nothing but good things. Jimmy Ward had nothing but good things to say about Brandon Ayuk. And and you've seen that from multiple players like this, how Brandon Ayuk is playing right now is not just like a media conjured overreaction. He truly is dominating training camp right now in a pretty special way. One that we – I'm not sure when the last time we've seen a a receiver dominate training camp like this. It probably goes back to before I was starting to come to training camp. I think this is my fifth year coming to training camp, maybe fourth. Um, I'm thinking Pierre Garçon when he first came in here, not to the extent Brandon Ayuk is right now. I don't remember Debo Samuel necessarily dominating training camp like Ayuk is now. I mean, maybe Michael Crabtree at, at some point. I wasn't really here to watch him compete during training camp. So, I mean, I would have to ask one of the more experienced guys, the Matts, Matt Barrows, Matt Mayoko, and just see when the last time a receiver was really putting on a show like Brandon Ayukas right now. It's been impressive.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed
1: Another person that spoke to the media in addition to Jimmy Ward was Mike McGlinchey. Mike McGlinchey who's he's said he's he's completely healthy. He's re, he was really upbeat. It was a pleasure. If you get a chance go listen to Mike McGlinchey's press conference. He just was all about it. He was very very upbeat, very pleasant, very humorous. He said he's healthy, he's ready to roll. He's comfortable at the weight, you know, kind of where around that same weight where he first started where he played his best football. He had nothing but praise for the 49ers medical staff and how they've helped him over. I mean, he had a torn quad. That is a significant injury. It's like the tearing the biggest muscle on your body. And he just had nothing but good things to say about the 49ers medical staff. It was just a pleasure to listen to. Like I said, get in there, listen to his press conference. I'm sure you'll kind of pick up what I'm, what I'm putting down and the fact that he just, he was all about it. He just seems to be in good spirits and he's happy to be playing the game again. He was asked about Trent Williams and the guy could not say enough good things. I mean, that's kind of the the general consensus about Trent Williams throughout the entire NFL. Um, He didn't hold back McGlinchey best O lineman in the league. Tremendous person. He said that, that Trent Williams does things that other offensive linemen won't even try. Like they won't even attempt to play the way that Trent Williams plays because of just how advanced it is and how freakish it is. He said that, Trent Williams just puts in an insane amount of work studying his own tape and trying to break his own tendencies so that defensive linemen and defensive ends and defensive coordinators can't study him. Like He studies himself and tries to change things up so that other teams that are studying him can't really get a bead on how he's going to do it. And that includes you know, defensive ends and outside linebackers that he's going against one-on-one. During a game, those players will pick up on tendencies, and they'll try and you know, beat your patterns and, and figure out what you're going to do on any given snap. But it, it really does seem like a big part of Trent Williams' greatness is how he handles the game mentally. I mean, you really can't become an elite player without bringing the mental side of the game with you. But Mike McGlinchey just said that Trent Williams is just on another level. And I took, if you haven't seen it yet, get on my uh, my Twitter. I took a cool picture of Trent Williams um, handing his headband to a young 49ers fan who I believe had Down syndrome. And it was just such a great moment. I, it was hard for me not to get choked up. I actually teach um, a special ed class um, at, at my middle school. And so I have such a huge soft spot for for kids like that. And it was so good just to see him interacting and, uh, the, the, the young, young boy was just so happy to have something from Trent Williams and Trent kind of just stood there and talked to him. It was a really, really, really cool moment. Um, the picture doesn't necessarily capture how cool it was, but you know, I tried to do my best. I tapped Trent on the shoulder. I was like, Hey man, you need to let me send you this picture at some point because this is some special stuff. And he was, he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, man, you got to figure out a way to get that to me. Cause obviously I don't have Trent Williams digits. I can't just send it on over to him, but we'll figure it out. I'll try and get it to him. It was just a, a real special moment. Um, one of the things that I asked Mike McGlinchey, I said, "Mike, does practicing is is there elements that this defensive line brings that makes practicing against them harder than some games of the regular season?" And he, the first thing he says is, "I don't really want to insult the rest of the NFL." He made sure to mention that there's plenty of guys they face that are elite players. You know, you can, he mentioned uh, Aaron Donald, not by name, but, but basically said, you know, and there's another team and Cal- another guy in California, stuff like that. But the short answer was yes. The going against the 49ers defensive line in practice can 100% be a harder task than some of what they're going to face in the offseason. He just said said the overall depth. And the level of talent. Think about like an average. Think about like a Madden score for every player on the 49ers defensive line. Basically, what Mike McGlinchey was saying is every player combined on the 49ers defensive front has just a level of talent or a higher Madden rating than any other other team on the NFL would be able to to match. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the absolute best player. But just that overall level of talent and the ability to just send waves and waves of good defensive linemen at offensive lines is just something that Mike McGlinchey said is is unmatched. Nobody has it like that. And, again, I'm not trying to slight the talent the 49ers have. You know – I mean, they've got Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, two of the better players at their own positions. And then they just – you know, the Javon Kinlaws, um, the Samson Ebukams, these guys that are very solid – carry hiders. We'll see what Drake Saxon's capable of. Um, it's just a, a, a level of t- You can see what Mike McGlinchey's talent, saying that the depth and the overall talent threshold for the 49ers D line is essentially unmatched. And he was, uh, pretty sure of that he just, he just seemed like, look, I mean, he didn't want to, he's just a classy dude and he's not going to try and slight an un- another NFL team when he doesn't have to, but he was basically saying like, yeah, I, I, there are definitely times when what I'm doing here at training camp or during practice is more difficult than what we face in the game. And that's kind of just a scary prospect. And that kind of echoes what I've been saying about what Trey Lance is facing every day. Like this guy is trying to develop his skills as a quarterback while fending off this relentless – D'Amico Ryan's loves that word too – this relentless defense that just keeps coming at him. And at times, uh, another reporter actually echoed kind of my thoughts that I gave to you guys yesterday about, don't you just wish sometimes you could go against a vanilla defense that allows you to get some plays off without being disrupted? And Mike McGlinchey just laughed and was like, well, that's way above my pay grade. But, you know, if anything, that's just getting more prepared for – when things go go crazy, and and a lot of times on any NFL snap, things have a tendency to go crazy. So, let's move on to training camp standouts. Obviously, at the very top of the list is is Brandon Ayuk. We've talked about it. We've already hit it on it today. I just had to make mention of it again. I'm just not going to go through all the things I've already said. But Brandon Ayuk is competing at a level that 49ers haven't seen at receiver for 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 a little bit. For a little bit. Uh, somebody else that I have to mention is Spencer Burford, the 49ers' fourth-round offensive lineman, who has essentially, since I got here and since training camp started, I believe, has taken every rep at right guard as a rookie. And that is not normal. It's surprising. I don't think anybody who... In their right mind, was asked, you know, when asked about what the makeup of the offensive line would be, would think to plug in a fourth round rookie out of Texas San Antonio. Uh, Spencer Burford is 6'4, 300 pounds. I know that he spent some time with Trent Williams over the summer in Texas, I believe. And this man has taken every rep at right guard. And I mean, it's definitely a good sign. It's definitely a good sign. Matt Barrows of the Athletic had Spencer Burford winning, winning or battling to a draw on all of his one-on-one drills. I don't know if that was today or yesterday because I'm not sure the O-line and D-line did one-on-ones today without pads. But that is certainly a a significant surprise of training camp. You know, it's it's just something that if if it's real, if they're plugging him in, in in there because he truly has played well enough to earn that spot. And it's not an experiment and that's where he's going to be. It's just, that's a surprise and it's an exciting surprise, especially if that type of success carries over into the regular season, finding a legitimate starting right guard at, in the fourth round would just be a huge come up for the 49ers. I mean, that's, that's, very interesting to me that just that 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 could develop like that. Now they're not out of the woods yet. They've got a that that essentially means they'll have a first year starter at left guard in Aaron Banks and a rookie at right guard in Spencer Burford, at least for now. But if the if they're playing well enough to hold on to that spot, then they're playing help well enough to hold on that spot. There's there's no arguing about it. We would just be really eager to see how that group performed in a live game which is kind of what we're going to see in training camp. So as of right now, if you were to predict, I mean, if we were just to say what the 49ers starting offensive line is in this moment, you'd have Trent Williams at left tackle, Aaron Banks at left guard, still a competition between Daniel Brunskill or Jake Brendel at center, Brunskill who played right guard last year, Spencer Burford at right guard, and then Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. Now, if all of those if everything comes together for those players, then it, it, it could be a solid offensive line. Trent Williams was very um, was very positive when I asked him about Aaron Banks and what he saw from him in his second year. Says he came to camp this year with a transformed body, both lost weight and added muscle. Um, and if all I can say is. Me and the other beat writers haven't haven't noticed Aaron Banks getting beat often, especially during team drills. So it's kind of like that thankless environment for an offensive lineman. If you're not consistently getting mentioned, then you're doing your job right because it means you're not getting beat and people aren't noticing you getting beat. So it's just an interesting situation for that offensive line right now. You've got a competition between – two veterans at center and Jake Brendel and Daniel Brunskill. And then you've got two young players. Aaron Banks obviously isn't a rookie, but he didn't play at all last year despite being a second round pick. And then you've got Spencer Burford and Trent Williams was very complimentary of, of Burford as well. And the fact that he's very, very athletic and really fit the profile of what the 49ers want of an, from an offensive lineman. So definitely an interesting development over there. Keep an eye on, on Spencer Burford and how many reps he keeps getting with the first team and uh, where that goes during the preseason and what he looks like and what he looks like. And let's see what else I got in here. No one else really separating themselves too much today. Like I said, it was a bit more of a low key practice. Uh, nothing too crazy. No pads. Diamandor Lenore has made a few plays, few pass breakups, including a, a, a kind of a gift wrapped interception after a titch, uh, a tipped pass from, Taysir Mack, I believe he's number 18. Um, but, yeah, D'Amador Lenore had a decent practice today. Um, so far, Dar- Darquest Denard has been the 49ers starting nickel corner, and maybe Demo is somebody that could, could also compete for that role. You've got Chance Womack, 49ers, I believe, picked him in the fifth round this year. So, um, again, not too many more standouts from a practice that was a little more low-key. We've got a day off tomorrow. And then we'll be back out here bright and early on Friday. Um, again, pass the word, tell your friends, striking gold is is recording a podcast after every single training camp practice this week. So I'm hoping you guys are enjoying it. I hope, I hope it's it's a little added bonus amongst all the other really, really good training camp coverage that the 49ers media room has put out there. So I'm just I'm just hoping you guys are enjoying it. I hope you're listening to it. Make sure you are. Like I said, listening, downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing all those great things. Um, But again, just just jumping on here and listening to this is is all I can ask from you because I appreciate it. You guys are what make the makes the the wheel turn. Um, But I think that's it. Just kind of scrolling through my notes, making sure I didn't miss anything else. Um, we'll keep an eye out on some of those injuries and, and players that miss practice. But again, Nick Bosa, George Kittle day off, not injury related, just a, uh, just a veteran day off. I wanted to make sure I left you with that before anybody got, got a little nervous, but Hey, again, appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Strike and gold. That's it for us for another uh, episode. You should be hearing from me again, uh, Thursday off Friday. So either Friday afternoon or Saturday morning, depending on when we publish the episode. Trying to get Tyler, my uh, my, my managing editor, to, uh, to publish them just as soon as we can right after the, after the practice. So you guys can partake right out the gate. But they're the ones that know all that fancy stuff in terms of when's the best time to publish an episode. All right, I'm rambling on. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. And for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out.